Welcome, friends. It's time to take a deep breath with me, your girl, Lavana Martin Floriel. Come with me as we journey to discover life's aha moments that catalyze a more profound sense of self and the springboard for growth. It's these revelations that create our stories of transitions and triumphs. And my goal is to feature these stories as a way to encourage and reiterate that our shared experiences can help each other on our life's journey. Today's episode is an inspiring one. I am happy to feature my sister, all caps, and friend, Margra Ferrier. I met Margra about 10 years ago, and we'll talk a little bit more about how that relationship transpired. But I would say that it's probably within the last five to six years that we have grown so close, and I just love her so much, and I love the way we conversate and laugh, and we just find joy in our friendship. So, Margaret, welcome to Taking a Deep Breath. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So before we get started, I would love for you to give me two to three words that you would use to describe yourself. Okay. Um, I think that if I were to describe myself, I would use the words compassionate, blunt, logical. I would concur. So I have, I thought about this too. So I said, hmm, I'm going to give her the three words that I use to describe you. So hold on. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I said compassionate, Mm -hmm. committed, Mm -hmm. and crazy. Yes. (laughs) I would agree with all of those as well. And I I multifaceted. (laughs) And I think it's the crazy part that I love. (laughs) So practical and crazy. I try to keep that hidden, but yeah, sometimes it sneaks out. It's like, hey, you're (laughs) here. Well, Margaret, I wanted to have a conversation with you about finding love in your 50s because I think your story is fascinating. But I think that first our audience would really like to know how we met in this crazy story about how our lives have intersect. And like I said, 10 years ago, we met when I moved to Lexington, Kentucky, which was a really difficult moving from California, as I've said before, to Kentucky, was really hard. And I remember meeting you loosely um, mm-hmm. because our sons played basketball. Tell, what were, what were your thoughts about our first meeting? <laughs> well, I think that our first meeting, I think that both of us were sort of in the same place in that we both had our circle of friends. Um, we were both socially, you know, we were socially okay. And so we both came at each other sort of like, I don't, I don't really think I need another friend. So, okay, if it is, it is. If it's not, it's not. And But then something clicked, and I can't even put my finger on what it was at the time because you and I have both evolved so much since that meeting 10 years ago. <laughs> so <laughs> I just like to think that something deep inside both of us reached out to the other and realized, yeah, y'all, y'all need each other. And yeah. <laughs> I couldn't feel more blessed for having listened to that inner voice. Oh, that's so awesome. Well, I think a funny part of this story is, is that uh, I don't know what happened, but we were hanging out with each other in Lexington and we were enjoying the spirits mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> and, and which is what we do together. Not the only thing we do, but that's what we do. And um, somehow or another, 
you and little sister ended mm-hmm. up at my 50th birthday celebration in Chicago. Oh, that's because we invited ourselves. You had <laughs> had more spirits and we had had, I had had spirits and you have, I, I think I happened to overhear you talking about it. And I was like, oh, I, we would like to go. And of course, at that time, being the Bonnie that, you know, doesn't want to hurt anybody's feelings, you're like, oh, okay, I'll send you the information, probably thinking it was a dead end. And yet there we were. Got the information, put it on my calendar, and we showed up and showed out. Yes, y'all did. And we <laughs> call y'all the mongras, and it was hilarious. And from then on, it's been a blossoming friendship, and I have I have relished your advice in my life. So I, if I've never said that to you, I want to say it publicly. Thank you so much for being there for me, especially during a really, really difficult transition in my life. And I appreciate you so much. Oh, that it goes both ways because I also went through a very difficult uh, situation in my life and you were there for me. So I feel like that's what sisterhood and friendship is about is we were there for each other through the good and the bad. Absolutely. So let's talk about this finding love in your 50s. I mean, that's a fascinating story and I've been able to journey with you on that. So let's let's kind of like start in the future and then just kind of some way make our way back. So what does new love look like in your 50s? I mean, because that means you've travailed through a whole lot of things through life. And then all of a sudden you have this new wonderful thing that's happening to you. Can you describe what that feels like? Yes, it feels like rebirth. Hmm. And the reason I say that is because when we think we have love in, you know, we're 18, 19, you know, 20s. And at that age, we really can't even begin to fathom what real love is. So finding love at 50, you, it, you, it's just like being reborn because you go about it completely differently. For me, it was the no pretense. I am who I am. And you're going to accept me for who I am. I'm going to accept you for who you are, or this really isn't going to work because I'm no longer willing to make any pretentious changes just to impress you or anybody else to keep them in my, keep you in my life. Hmm, I love that. mm -hmm. And so once you approach it, once you get to that point, It just makes everything else so much more real and beautiful because, you know, without a doubt, you're getting the real deal. You're in a real situation, not a fairy tale, not, you know, likely to change from day to day. You know, it is what it is. Hmm. I like that. And I love that you use that word rebirth. So in order to rebirth, you have to have had something that birthed from the very beginning. Right. So yes. let's unpack a little bit about what that was like. Um, like, would you mind sharing a little bit about your previous relationship? No, not at all. So my previous relationship started at the age of 18. Um, I was 18 and my partner was 34. At the wait, time. wait, wait, wait. So Time out. 34? Yes. <laughs> 18 and 34. Hmm. Okay. Yes. There were 16 years between us. Wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm sorry yeah. to cut you off on that. That oh. always just like <laughs> astounds <laughs> no. me. I think of myself at 18 and I think about being, there's no way, A, because my mother still had a huge influence in my life that I would have mm-hmm. been even thinking about dating someone of that age. So go ahead. Well, along with that, 
I had to realize, of course, in retrospect, part of that was because I had some issues within my own life with my father. And so I left home at 18. Like when I graduated, I already had an apartment paid for, blah, blah, blah. So that, that, um, that struggle between me and my father, I feel like it pushed me. I was look, I, I gravitated toward older men always. And so that was me sort of trying to fill a gap that was there. And that's what I did. So, yeah, there's a 16 year gap. And of course, at 18, I had no clue who I was, where I was going, what I was going to be. And so that relationship um, you know, it just sort of developed and evolved. And then as I started to grow up and mature, I got further and further away from the 18 year old sheltered, knows mm-hmm. nothing about life, mm-hmm. you know, person. And the further I got away from that, that person, the closer I got to who I am today, which is a fiercely independent, strong, mm. you know, committed loving person. And in retrospect, I realized that that's not what he bargained for. Hmm. So as he got older and I got older, it just, it just became very evident. We were not supposed to be together. Got it. Um, yeah, because he was, you know, I realized, I think, I think personally, you know, he, he was um, looking for a retirement plan. You know, mm-hmm. somebody to take care of them in their old age, et cetera, et cetera. And guess what? That's probably what we think in the back of our minds when we're making a union with someone that we will grow old with this person and, you know, be there. But when there's 16 years difference, mm-hmm. it's it just gets more difficult when, uh, especially when I started hitting my 20s and 30s and I mean, my 30s and 40s, rather. Um, and I'm really starting to get comfortable with who I am. Right. And he's beginning to get more uncomfortable with who I am. Well, and, and it comes I down realize, to practicality, too, right? I mean, it just seemed more yeah. practical that like you're in it, I'm mm-hmm. assuming. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. And you had yeah. children. Mm-hmm. And so and, you stay the course. That's yeah. what, you know, and, and that's what society tells us as women anyway, that we are to stay the course. And hmm. men, unfortunately, you know, society tells men, stay the course, but it's okay if you go off course a couple of times, as long as you come back to the main, you know, come back to the main road. Right, right. And so as women, we don't get that, you know, we don't get that forgiveness if we go off the beaten path. And I also think, too, don't you feel that especially there's messages that we hear as black women? as Mm -hmm. to who we are supposed to be in our relationships, in particular, our long-term relationships, that um, they're not supposed to be, I mean, for lack of a better word, they're not supposed to be fun and they're not supposed to be joyous. Mm -hmm. It's supposed to be, you you know what I mean? Yeah, it's supposed to be a union of, there's supposed to be a purpose to it. And that Mm -hmm. purpose has nothing to do with your feelings, emotions, and needs. That's what I feel. And I saw uh, there was a scene in one of my favorite shows, House of Dragons. (laughs) And the king was explaining to his princess daughter, you know, marriage is about moving up. It's about station. It's about getting, you know, getting things in your house 
stabilizing together. And I realized that is a message that has been handed down for so, so many centuries that it's ridiculous. And when you get into a union with that in your mind, to me, it's just a ticking time bomb. Yeah. Because humans weren't meant to exist without love and emotion and, you know, feeling good. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. I mean, I, I too, we, we both, she and I, we're Game of Thrones and House of Dragons and I'm back watching Game of Thrones thanks to you again and can't <laughs> stop. <laughs> and I'm picking up something different in this time that I'm watching. And, and what I'm realizing is that women aren't valued. <laughs> women are only seen as conduits to the next generation, as you're saying. And you're right. It has passed down from generation to generation that, you know, we're just in this just to provide whatever, in my opinion, sometimes whatever resources that the man needs and that Mm -hmm. we're supposed to set our needs aside. And Mm -hmm. as we evolve and we journey through life, especially in the time frame that you and I are living in, we learn that we can love, we can be happy, we can be joyous, we can, we can enjoy our relationships and Mm -hmm. we can thrive. Mm -hmm. And in some ways it seems foreign. Yes. Yeah. Because yeah, because think about how men and women both come come at marriage. You know, women have been indoctrinated that you marry to for stability, good income, bear children, keep the fam- you know, keep keep the family going. Men come at it uh for have been told for, you know, centuries that men go at it to find a good wife material, hmm. bear children, you know, make sure you keep your house up, but that's pretty much all they're required to do. I feel like men have never been indoctrinated like women about loyalty hmm. and family first. Hmm. Because men are ex- it's, a, it, it's okay for a man to have a career and let that career completely take over his life. Mm-hmm. It's okay. He's a working man. If he doesn't come home until 10 o'clock at night and you still need to have his dinner ready and, you know, have his breakfast ready for him in the morning, that's okay. But if you flip it and a woman, you know, only works eight hours a day and comes home at five and doesn't could do like there are people who would think that's just crazy. She shouldn't be out. She shouldn't be doing that. Right. And I just think, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. No, I was just going to say, and I just think that it's because men and women come at it from two completely different, expecting two completely different outcomes, especially when you get together young. Yes, yes. And so did you find that in that relationship that because there was such a big age gap, like, did you, did you find that you had, you were struggling, you had this internal struggle about this woman that you wanted to be, but then you had this woman that you had to live up to because there's a, such a big age gap. Yes. And yes. And part of that struggle was when I came into the union as an 18 year old, I was dependent. I had not found my inner strength yet. So I projected a girl who needed to be protected and controlled for her own good. Hmm. Whereas what I grew into was I don't I'm I'm not a shrinking violet. I'm I'm very capable. I'm not gonna be held back. I'm gonna do what I need to do. And because he was already 34, he was who he was gonna be, he really didn't change. 
you see, right. because he was already developed when I met him. I was still developing. Right. And that caused great issues between us as we moved on simply because now, you know, 10 years in, I'm nothing like the little girl that he met. Right. So, yeah. Right. There's so much growth and so much learning. Okay. Well, mm -hmm. enough of the past. Let's focus a little bit more on your present day. So okay. tell us about your guy and what is it that he, I mean, because I think what relationships are is that there's something from my partner and then something from me that we can just draw from each other and still maintain our separateness in, in terms of our identity. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. And yes. so tell us about your guy and and what it is that you draw from him and what it is that you pour into him that has just made love blossom at 50 plus years old. OK, so first, my guy, what I draw from him is be, finding love at 50 allowed me to understand that, yes, I do love having a protective partner that's not protecting with the purpose of control. Mm. I've learned to set, I've learned the difference between those two. Um, and I've learned also that there is strength in him and the way that he supports me, the way he loves me, he pours into me. He's not always taking from me. Mm -hmm. So it feels like a much more symbiotic relationship. There's give and take, not all give, give, give on one side and take, take, take on the other. Mm. Okay. Awesome. And so as you have evolved into this person that you are um, now, what do you find that you, um, you give in this relationship? What's, what's different than what you were as a young, young girl? I think that I give, now I give some wisdom, some life experience, and I've learned how to love another individual. Mm. And that's not even just in my marriage, but I've learned how to be a better friend, a better mother, a better sister, a better daughter. You know, I've learned how to love other people. And that love is, I've learned how to love other people without expecting them to love me back the exact same way. Hmm. Because there was an, an analogy I like to use, which is that of a farmer. And, you know, a farmer has all of these flowers in his garden, but each flower needs something different. Hmm. Roses need to be cared for differently than daisies. Daisies need to be cared for differently than the corn, etc. And you've got to find the gardener who knows how to care for you hmm. and vice hmm. versa. Mm hmm. I love that. You got to find a gardener that knows how to tend to you. I love that. I love that. Yes, you're right. And I think that's what I love about our friendship is that I don't feel that you tend to my needs because I can be needy. <laughs> that you tend to my needs. You tend to them in a very specific way that helps me to unpack sometimes um, some of the turmoil that I might be feeling in the inside. And I love that about you. And then you're crazy too. So you meet my needs in another way. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Even in the most serious moments, I'm the one that will find some humor in it somewhere. I, I just believe that, you know, sometimes you just got to laugh about it. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Margro, this has been a fantastic conversation. It has caused me to to even think deeper about my own relationship. I love that part that you just said about finding someone that can tend to your garden or tend to, mm-hmm. you know, how I grow um, mm-hmm. throughout life in very specific ways. Cause you're right. As your garden grows and as it expands, you know, you as a person, you change. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sometimes you got to mm-hmm. be pruned too, right? Um, exactly. In order yeah. to grow. And so I love that analogy and I so appreciate you um, agreeing to come on and be vulnerable and to share. And I'm hoping that our conversation would encourage others. And me too, because encouragement is huge and I love it. I'm here for it. Awesome. Thank you so much.